and welcome to another episode of Hour of Healing. I am Joe Deborah, and today we have a very special guest slash host with us today because I am in the hot seat today. Why? Because the lady of the house is in the place. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome my dear wife, Harriet Deborah. Harriet, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi everyone. Today's session we're going to talk about healing through obedience. And friends, a lot is made about obedience in life and in every culture, every creed, every nation. And even children are taught to obey their elders. Servants are to obey their masters. And citizens obey and bylaws. So we, we're going to put a question to Joe here. What is obedience? Well, Harriet, obedience really, um, according to the Webster Dictionary, has been defined as um, being compliant with a request or law or submitting to someone else's authority. Uh, however, in psychology, obedience is actually defined as a behavior change that is produced by a command of an authority, which in other words, we would say obeying involves doing things that uh, uh, one will otherwise not do by their self or learning to do what you are asked to do, even though in some cases you might think you know a better way of doing that particular thing. Okay. There is a phenomenon that I think everybody or most people have noticed that many people are in trouble today because of their acts of obedience. Some are ill physically, some are ill spiritually, some are lost, some are broken, some are depressed, and some are even dying because they chose to obey. What do you have to say about that? Well, Harriet, uh, this uh, really is a very difficult position to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, however, um, this very phenomenon that you talk about actually goes to uh, show the level of trust that actually um, is compounded in the act of obedience. There is a huge emphasis on trust whenever uh, the act of obedience is required. Well... If obedience involves doing things we are asked to do, and sometimes it will lead us in trouble, then why should we do it? What am I gaining from it? Well, um, the the truth is um, obedience is really not an easy task. Um, in fact, I would say um, obedience is very hard. Uh, however, you were asking what is in it for you, um, one, as I alluded to, uh, to the Christian, what is in it for you is that um, being obedient is the way to unlock the blessings and the successes that have been promised to you as a Christian. Um, the child who obeys the parent uh, learns valuable lessons, um, one, to consider other people's need before theirs. Um, it also teaches uh, the child uh, how to become unselfish. 
And then um, in all actuality, uh, young people like you and I and for people in relationships, um, being obedient uh, or submitting to authority actually does help us to uh, be able to coexist with each other. And then it does foster relationships and marriages and partnership. So uh, that is what is in it for us. And that's why obedience is a key thing in our healing. Okay. So since we're talking about relationships or mm-hmm. we're talking about fostering relationships, we all have been taught a lesson by COVID. And we realized that we had been careful to who and what we listened to. So would you shed some light on this? Yeah, so um, that is true. COVID certainly did teach us um, that it's not everybody you listen to or hear should be obeyed. Um, But um, to answer that question, um, I actually want to uh, share with you a a pretty short story. Well, I I really don't have any short stories, so I'll share with you a story really about... um, uh, a man called uh, D.L. Moody or Dwight uh, L. Moody, who, um, as far as we know in the Christian community, is one of the most dynamic men of God who has ever walked um, the face of uh, this country. Now, the story basically goes that um, D.L. Moody was a, a shoe clerk in Boston, and then later on in his life, he um, became this energetic and enthusiastic uh, soul winner. But before that, after he had actually um, been converted, um, Moody had uh, relocated to Chicago. And when he lived in Chicago, uh, eventually had one of the largest churches in Chicago. And one time when Moody was done preaching he steps down from the pulpit, and then two women come up to him. And basically what they said to Moody was that, we've been praying for you. And so Moody was like, oh, uh, thank you for praying for me, but uh, why don't you pray for the members of the congregation instead? And the story goes that these women basically said to Moody, well, we've been praying for you because you need power. Now, you can imagine um, how being a young man and having one of the largest churches in Chicago at the time, um, this will sit with him. And honestly, everybody has the ego. So um, he went through what he wanted to go through. He went through his little emotions. And then um, it so happened that after he had been done going through his emotions, he had come to actually the New York City area and the uh, the story says that he at that time decided uh, to make the full commitment to depend on the holy spirit and so uh, when moody made this full commitment to the holy spirit he later on wrote some things in his um personal journal that um uh, i think are very profound uh he said that the messages of salvation had not changed but the vessel which in this case him had changed. He said that the um, before his messages were only winning a few souls at a time, but now members were being saved in their hundreds and in their thousands. And then he um, wrote this uh, very particular thing that I found to be very profound, that he said uh, before 
the work was the earnest energy and tireless effort of a man. But now, after my complete submission to the Holy Spirit, it is the dynamic of the Holy Spirit that is at work. I shared the Moody story, uh, not because it's one of my personal favorite stories, but um, to emphasize a principle that I really believe to be so true and so key in obedience. And that is that the person that you obey has a responsibility to you. Just as God has a responsibility to the Christian uh, to keep him or her who chooses to abide in Christ and to be the God, the provider, the sustainer, and the giver of their life, in the same way um, your boss has a responsibility to pay you the wages that is agreed upon or a reasonable wage, um, your mentor or your advisor have a responsibility to you to steer you in the right direction and not in the wrong direction. And also, the parent really has a responsibility to their child um, who chooses to obey them. And so when a child obeys their parent, they are confident in this fact that their act of obedience will lead to a positive reward. And really, um, uh, the, the question has uh, arisen many times in the past uh, that um, uh, I struggled with really in my Sunday school days, but uh, thank God that we all grow. But the question was, what if the person or the adult you are listening to is trying to lead you or ask of you something that is wrong? And the truth of the matter is, I will go as far as to say if the person you obey breaks their responsibility to you, you are no longer required to even obey them. And yes, I know I have not been to any theological seminary or any Bible school, but I will put this principle to anything and every concept that we have in our world today, and it will stand to be true that if the person you obey breaks the responsibility to you, then you no longer are obliged to obey them. This principle applies to every aspect of our life. It applies to our health. It applies to our spiritual and physical life. It applies to our emotional life, our financial life. In fact, everything that pertains to our uh, humanity is based on this principle that the one you obey owes to you a responsibility because after all obedience they say is better than sacrifice well joe you said a lot and i kind of got the sense or i what i heard was if you do obey god god has a responsibility to you to Yes. What? Protect you? Uh, provide your needs? My question with that statement is, what if I, I do obey God? I do my part as his daughter, son, servant, and I encounter cancer, that I know that this cancer is, <laughs> it's taking me to my grave. 
is that an obedience that you know we ought to forward with it well um that's actually a great uh question and it's a, a question that uh cast to the very uh heart of many many um uh, christian arguments um in our day and time the truth of the matter is and i'm not gonna lie to you or anybody that there are many things in this world that we frankly are not going to um, have complete understanding of. Um, what I will say to that is I am of the belief that not, um, the sicknesses are not from God. That is just what I believe. And so to the Christian in, uh, in your question who obeys God, and then uh, suffers from uh, some uh, terrible disease as cancer. Uh, and the question is, is that what God's will is for them to basically have the cancer? Is that the reward of their obedience? Yes. The short answer really, I would say, is no. That's not the reward of their obedience. Um, we uh, have seen people with cancers cured. Uh, both by medicine and by prayers. I mean, we, we know people, I personally know people um, who have been cured of cancer through prayer. And so um, it's very uh, difficult to make that argument that the cancer was the reward or the um, burden of the obedience. But even for the ones who really do not um, get cured of their cancer, their cancer, um, the truth of the matter is you look at them and you see because of their obedience to God, the the peace of mind that God gives them to be able to go through all the various treatments that they have to go through, the, the, the assurance that they have, the calm in spirit or, or the lack of despair that they have compared to the one who does not know God. And this is a question that I usually, um, when uh, this question is posed to me, I bring up that if you do not have a source of hope, going through or hearing a diagnosis like cancer becomes the end of your world. However, for the one who is obedient to God, hearing such a diagnosis is not the end of the world. And so uh, as to whether they will be uh, cured or as to why some are cured and some are not cured, um, I don't think I, I, I will be able to speak much on it because it's not something that we understand. Um, however, the, the, the peace and the assurance and the calmness and, and the, uh, that hope brings to such people because of their obedience is actually testament of God's responsibility to them that even though they've had a terrible nose that his responsibility to them is to keep them in perfect peace because their minds and their hearts are set on him well thank you for that answer um since we're talking about relationship let's talk about relationship between two humans. So let's say you are in a relationship with someone, your partner, mm -hmm. and you're obedient. You do everything you're supposed to do towards that person, and you're not getting mm -hmm. that in return. 
do you continue with your part of obedience or do you relax and say, Hey, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's a great question, uh, Harriet. And, um, uh, to answer that, I would uh, plead with you that we kind of um, break the various types of relationships um, because a marital relationship is certainly different from a relationship with your best friend or your co-worker and things of that nature. So um, I would like to address them separately. Yeah, so first, the marital relationship. Okay. Yeah, so when we, we when it comes to uh, the marital relationship, um, what makes a marriage a marriage? Really, what makes a marriage different from any other form of relationship, including your boyfriend, your girlfriend relationship, is the fact that vows have been exchanged. So to the Christian, you bring your marriage to God before the altar, and basically the vows you are saying... Uh, it to the public and before God is that I am seeking your blessings or your I'm, I'm asking you God to take responsibility of this union that we are forming and so going forward my responsibility is really no longer to my partner but rather to God and so you say I will love and cherish uh, you um, in sickness and in health till death do us part now, when you do that, that act of presenting your marriage to the altar for the blessings and committing it to God, you are literally telling your partner that from today, we answer to the one true God. We answer to the one who is responsible for the marriage. And so until you can prove to me that God... Uh, not holding on to his end of the bargain, that is, God is not assuming responsibility for the marriage, then the issue of divorce doesn't even come in when your partner is not holding on to their end. Because at the end of the day, they have a responsibility in themselves to be obedient to God because God has never and will never break his responsibility to anyone. So that is where uh, what differentiates marriage from the other relationships. Now, with the other relationships, let's see boy-girl relationships. No vows have been exchanged. And so in those situations, your responsibility really is to your partner. And so when your partner starts steering you or your friend starts steering you in a way that is contradictory to what the Word of God says for your life, or what you know the purpose and the will of God to be, then you no longer have a responsibility to listen to them. And as a matter of fact, I, I will go as far as to say many people are right now in serious predicaments in their lives. Some are in jail, some are in um, sicknesses, some are in poverty because they chose to obey someone who was no longer being responsible to them. So when your friend asks you to do something that is wrong, I want you to realize that your friend at that moment is not being responsible for your obedience. And so you no longer have to even obey that friend. So you no longer have to go through with that evil or bad act that your friend is actually requiring of you to do. So um, 
that will be uh, how I would distinguish them. And uh, the bottom line is that your obedience really has to be in accordance with the responsibility of the power or the person that you are obeying. Good to know. So, Joe, since we are talking about marriage, the other question I want to put to you is, what if your partner doesn't know God? Well, that's actually a very interesting question. Um, And so uh, I have personally um, met a few people in my life uh, who um, go into marriage um, with a person who does not know God, with them being Christians, that is. And the hope is that the person will change. As long as a marriage has been brought to the altar, because even if your partner doesn't know God, vows have been exchanged. And so at the very moment that vows are exchanged, your response, your obedience, rather, is no longer to the person per se, but to the vows that have been exchanged. That's why I separated marriage from all the other relationships. Now, uh, I know, and I'm looking at you, so I know the question that is coming, that what if the per- uh, you're not married to the person yet? Uh, the truth of the matter is, it's a very dangerous ground to tread when you go into marriage thinking that being married to someone will bring them to a place of change. In fact, I do actually have a saying that I usually say that marriage is one of the microscopes of life that amplifies every behavior and any act. And so going into marriage and thinking that my partner is going to change after I marry them, I would say is very, very dangerous. In fact, I would rather advice that if you are seriously involved with someone who does not share the same beliefs or faith as you do, then seek counseling, seek advice, let the person come on board with you or you get on board with their belief system um, before you get married. Because the very moment those vows are established, your response, obedience is no longer to your partner or the person you are being married to, but rather to the vows that you have taken. And so we see a lot of young marriages now, after a year or two, uh, that are at the verge of divorce. And the question most of the time we ask is, what did they miss? What did they not see? And the truth of the matter is, most of us, or most people, go into marriage with the same mindset that my partner will change. No, people get better. Yes, people grow. But to expect that someone will change when they are not assuming responsibility for you, when you are not married to them, is a very, very dangerous place to be. This actually kind of a little talks about our previous session that you did with Sister Candice. She talked about you know, having high expectations for your partner or your friend or Correct. somebody else and they're not meeting to that expectation 
sometimes mm-hmm. bring <laughs> disappointment. So it kind of, you know, wraps up a little bit from our previous section. So Joe, for the conclusion of our conversation, I know everybody's waiting for this question. How does obedience bring about healing to my diabetes or hypertension or depression? Um, but uh, let me first say that when it comes to uh, the issue of healing through obedience, there's really no room for passive obedience, but rather active obedience. Now, uh, passive obedience uh, really involves total submission by the person who is obeying, even at the point of harm, or uh, when suffering is actually even occurring. This is not how we heal through obedience. Uh, For us to heal through obedience, we really need to be actively obedient. And active obedience really um, does require that the person who is performing the act of obedience really know the truths and the consequences of their obedience. So um, when it comes to your illness, like your hypertension, the diabetes, the depression, and whatnot, uh, really, when you see your doctor, in most instances, your doctor comes up with a treatment plan, which is a more comprehensive approach to your health. Now, let me also say, state for the record that not every symptom that you see on Google or on social media <laughs> means that you have that disease. So let's get that straightened out. But really... Um, when you see your doctor and you come up with this treatment plan, uh, the treatment plan involves evidence-based practices, things that have really been tested, um, and uh, there is proof or there is evidence of them actually helping the situation or the condition that you have. So um, I actually do have a, 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 um, an interesting story that I will share with you. So some time ago, uh, I had a young man uh, who I believe is in his mid-30s uh, come to see me um, as a new patient. Now, when this gentleman came to see me, um, after listening to his uh, story and obviously having reviewed his record um, before I met him, I was really convinced that uh, he was su- suffering from a disease that really to make a definitive diagnosis will require biopsy. However, um, uh, listening to this young man, um, uh, his story was just something that was uh, too daunting on me. Uh, I remember he said that, Doc, I've been sick for two straight years, and the long and story of uh, his sickness really was that he had been exposed to some chemicals which triggered some form of sickness, and then eventually... Um, He had been sick for two straight years. So um, I was very frank with him, as I am in most cases with my patients, and I said, this is what I believe is going on. There could be a couple of things happening, but really the the, the core of your issue um, probably will require biopsy to make that diagnosis because at the end of the day, the, the exposure to chemical theory to me didn't sum up all his uh, symptoms. So he basically asked what I could do to help him, and I said, well, um, we can also do a trial of treatment, which is in some cases another way of making a diagnosis. Um, but because I knew this was going to be a trial of treatment, I spent 
a lot of time explaining every single side effect of the medications we were going to try, what was going to happen if he took the medications as I prescribed them, what was going to happen if he took them uh, uh, otherwise in a way that did not um, stick with the prescription, if he chose not to take it. We went through every single one of these things. Why did I do that? I did that because as his doctor, I have a responsibility to him to not cause him any harm. And so, um, as I said in the beginning, this very principle applies in every aspect of our life. Because he seeing me as his doctor in the moment is implied that he will obey me. And so if he will obey me, then I have a responsibility to make sure that I do not cause him harm. So we talked about every single one of these things. You know, um, it's interesting. He came to see me again in about two months. And when the uh, gentleman came, he actually said, Doc, I am about 85% better. And I think this is the best I felt in about two years. Now, uh, I know this story will warm your heart, but I say it really to kind of bring in the point that even though I have a responsibility to not cause my patient harm, he also had a role to play in this, and that's where active obedience come in, because he had to be compliant with the medication. He had to follow up with the specialist. He had to make the lifestyle changes. He had to commit to the plan that we had put in place and I, I i was very thrilled and happy to see this gentleman come see me and uh, said that he was about to go uh, to travel out of the state um for the first time in two years um because he felt that much better now the same way that i basically explained these is um, kind of what the frustration with a a lot of young physicians uh, are with the opiate epidemic that we really have in right now. Because not to say that being on opiates is bad or is wrong. No, opiates are medications which, when used rightly, like any other controlled medication, benzodiazepines and whatnot, they have their place in medicine. But what happens is that sometimes... When your doctor puts you on these medications and they do not monitor them and they leave you to yourself, sometimes patients, because these medications are addictive, begin to self-medicate. And that is what leads them into trouble. So I will say that the same principle applies that if your doctor puts you on medications and is not um, managing it, then... At that moment, they are not being responsible to you. And so you can change your doctor. <laughs> okay, that was that was very blunt, but we are going to take it because it's a very good advice. So do you have anything else to add? Because I am, my ears are itching for more. <laughs> well, you know, I always have something to say. Yeah, you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I would say this because I've had conversations with a lot of young people um, who, when I have kind of talked about the act of obedience, um, has stirred up a lot of questions, especially young Christians. Uh, but I will challenge any Christian 
to dispute this fact that if you are in a church, you do your your things, you play your role as a church member, uh, uh, paying your tithe, uh, showing up to church, seeking to know something from God or uh, through your church, and your church is not giving you that. Honestly, the same principle applies. If your church or your pastor is no longer being responsible for you, you owe it to yourself and to your spiritual growth to seek for a pastor or a church that will help you grow spiritually. Because at the end of the day, the person you obey, whether big or small, spiritual or physical, doctor or whoever, your parent, whoever you obey, my dear listener, has a responsibility to you. And that is what I would like to add. Thank you so much for this. Um, I think we're going to have a part two of this because sure. it is very interesting to All right, friends. It looks like we are running out of time. We're going to see you next time. We love you and God bless you for listening. Bye-bye.